Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hello, Bechtelcast listeners. It's us again, the hosts of the Bechtelcast. Ever heard of us? <laughs> uh, this is, oh, well, I guess let's say our names. Yeah, sure. My name's Jamie Loftus. My name is Caitlin Durante. And we recorded a live show mm-hmm. in Portland a few months back that we are now releasing. It's on the Goonies with Sarah Marshall. Ever heard of her? She's the best. Yeah. She's next door to me right now, which sounds scary. It sounds like I'm holding her prisoner, but it's just the truth. <laughs> um, yeah, you're on tour together. We're on tour together, babe. Beautiful. And so this is one of the shows that we live streamed, mm-hmm. we recorded it curious comedy theater in, in portland, portland oregon. oregon ever heard of that and if you haven't you should go it's fun it is very fun point is we live stream the show and the recording also exists as like something that you can buy on demand so basically if you go to, to our video tree yes so if you want to see for example us eating a hot dog on stage see our cute little outfits no spoilers but we're wearing some cute little outfits if you want to see the special segment that we did at the end with sarah that you won't hear in the audio version it's a trivia treasure hunt uh it's very goofy it's super fun And if you're a big fan of the show and you're a big fan of Sarah Marshall, I bet you'll like it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we have that linked in our link tree. Uh, but what you're about to hear is uh, our you know audio version of the live episode on the Goonies. We also did this in Seattle, but you're hearing the Portland version. A little inside baseball there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is still one more Portland live episode we will be releasing in the future that you can also buy on demand to watch right now if you so choose it is the hannah montana movie with robert evans and really Mm -hmm. what more could you ask for in terms of a dissonant (laughs) pairing um so but we're very thrilled Uh um, to present to you now the goonies with sarah marshall welcome everybody to curious comedy theater make some noise for the becto cast 
keep that going for Jamie and Caitlin. Hi, welcome to the Bechdel cast. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. How are you, Portland, Oregon? The Superior Portland. Wow. Wow. Shots fired against yeah. Maine. Yeah, Losers. everyone in Maine just passed out, and I have no idea why. <laughs> uh, welcome. Nice. Thank you for coming. Give it up for yourselves. Uh, my name is Jamie Loftus. My name is Caitlin Durante, and this is the Bechtel cast. Yay! I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, okay. I'm going to pause so that everyone claps again. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're so excited to be back. We haven't gotten to go on tour for about three years for no particular reason, really. Yeah. We just kind of didn't feel like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we're, we're so pumped to be back and um, back in Portland specifically because yes. this is, I think this is my favorite city to tour to. It oh. truly is. And... And which I don't say, I did not say that in San Francisco. I got pretty volatile in San Francisco <laughs> last night. I was like, what's wrong with it here? <laughs> it's depressing. Yeah, <laughs> Why is wrong. your mayor in all of the movies? <laughs> like, um, anyways, I don't feel like that here. I feel great here. Um, yeah. Should we uh, tell, uh, well actually, has anyone been to a Bechtelcast live show before? Oh my god. Okay. So, so who has never been to a Bechtelcast live show before? A round of applause. Wow. wow. Okay, second graders, oh let's do it. Great stance. <laughs> also, okay, wait, hang on. We're what? live streaming the show, so we should oh, say yeah. hi to, oh, no. to the people, people in San Francisco are like, what the fuck? <laughs> I totally forgot that other people could hear me. <laughs> hi. Hi. I, we, we love San Francisco. <laughs> That was a technical error. <laughs> and I'm a deep fake. I think everyone can agree that was a deep fake. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. that, I think, is the pro of um, evil tech things going on, is that anytime I say something I regret, I'll be like, that was clearly a deep fake. Why would I say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love San Francisco. That's Bridges good... are awesome. <laughs> Oh, last night at the show, I mistook the, this is not important, but I mistook the Golden Gate Bridge for the Bay Bridge, and everyone Someone threw a tomato. Screamed. <laughs> I got egged at the show. You also said the word finger. Okay, wait, quick story. Um, so last night we did an episode on George of the Jungle in San Francisco, where it takes place in um, first the jungle and then San Francisco. <laughs> Um, but there was a moment where, well, you were talking about George getting horny. Yeah. And yeah. what was the phrase you were trying to say? I was trying to say that he starts to figure out how to, like, seduce a woman. But that's not what they said at all. I said that he starts to finger out. <laughs> and... Everyone laughed at me. <laughs> but you didn't know that you had said it. And so you just kept going, and then you're like, why is everyone laughing? <laughs> like, it was really, um, it, was, it felt like a nightmare that was happening to us, but yeah. it was exciting. It was awesome. And that's the joy of live comedy. So <laughs> thank you for coming. We should tell people what the show is. For those watching on the live stream, mm -hmm. um, this is the Bechtel cast. It's a show where we take an intersectional feminist look 
at your favorite uh, movies. We sure do. But Caitlin, what the hell is the Bechdel test? I'll tell you. It's right. a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel, sometimes oh. called the woo to Alison Bechdel. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, sometimes called the Bechdel-Wallace test. Uh, there are many versions of the test, but the one that we use, that we've cultivated over the years, is that two people of a marginalized gender have to have names, they must speak to each other, and their conversation has to be about something other than a man. Ideally, some some like narratively substantial conversation. Right. Um, and then there's just movies about a group of young boys falling in a lot of water. <laughs> and so there's sort of like a spectrum of yeah. the kinds of uh, media available to people, and we celebrate that. We do, we do. Um, so t- tonight we are covering... Uh, Oregonian classic, The Goonies. <laughs> who here has seen The Goonies? Okay, and who here, who, who are the brave people who have not seen The Goonies? Yeah, yes. own it. Yes, <laughs> me two days ago. <laughs> Oh my gosh, okay, so we're really excited to talk uh, about this movie and about the movies of Oregon in general. We're thrilled to be here. Um, Really quickly before we bring our guests out, I know that there's someone here that has a hot dog for me. (laughs) And I I would like it. The hot dog, yeah. Come come on down. (laughs) Thank you. Wait, what's your, what's your, this is heavy. (laughs) What's your name? Uh, I'm Carly. Hi, Carly. Um, so, uh, well, do you mind? We have a second, right? Yeah. Okay. I just want to open it. Uh, where, where'd you get this? I got it at Donnie Vegas. It's a Bon Me hot dog. Oh my God! Wait, chic. Holy shit. Another another count against San Francisco. I asked San Franciscans to bring me their hot dog, and someone brought one from Paris Baguette, and they were like, um. We're, we, we do burritos more here, and I was like, get out of my sight. <laughs> Wait, this looks amazing. Thank you so much. Give it up for Carly. Wow. Do you want a bite? I would love a bite, yeah. Can I feed it to you? Whoa, um, I mean, yeah, we got to give... Sorry, but... We're just demonstrating that what the Bechtel test can do. <laughs> Caitlin, do you mind if I uh, feed you this hot dog? Uh, just don't bring up... <laughs> Oh, wow. Thrilling. I'm going to take a bite from the other side. Actually, I'm going to save the other side for our guests. That's polite. Uh. Did people get pictures of that or or what? Or was it all for naught? This is going really good so far. Donnie Vegas, huh? Wow. Okay. Very close to yours. Really? Oh. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. So this is a nightmare for people with misophonia. They. <laughs> I get so many emails from people that are like, "What? What are you eating?" I'm like, pudding, <laughs> like <laughs> hot dogs, chips, Mike's hard lemonade, like whatever, kind of oh. whatever's around. I'm Remember? a scavenger. Did anyone else bring a hot dog? I just I want to make sure our bases yeah, are let's... covered. Okay. Fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> What the fuck? Really interesting. You ask, you ask, you ask. Carly provides. <laughs> Give it up for the rest of you. Maybe flopping a bit, but 
we can make up for that. I'm just going to leave this hot dog detritus well, was, here as a memory. I was going to say you've got some on your face as well. Oh, no, I don't think I do. <laughs> should we bring right. our guest down? We should. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we I'm so excited for tonight's guest. One of the uh, one of the greats and one of the Portland greats. A Portland local uh, host of You're Wrong About and You Are Good podcast. You know her, you love her. It's Sarah, Sarah Marshall. Welcome. Chunk has arrived. <laughs> yeah, we're doing some light chunk uh, cosplay. This is kind of like the Disney bounding version of chunk. Yeah. yeah. It's subtle. It's a suggestion it's of for chunk. the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want some hot dog? Yeah. Okay, I saved, you the, I saved you the other side. Just a fresh bite. Yeah, you're welcome. Oh, yeah, you didn't feed it to her. That's, oh, sorry, I'm supposed to... Do you want a second? But I, yeah. <laughs> a rogue cucumber appears. Um, that was very feral of, of all of you to say, feed it to her. <laughs> and you'll notice I obeyed immediately. <laughs> I was like, sorry. They asked, we had to do it. Uh, well, this is an unfortunate time to be like, so Sarah, what's your experience with the Goonies? Um, but you know, we can wait. <laughs> I'm getting there. Look, take your time. <laughs> so when you're ready, so when you're ready to answer the question, tell us what is your history with the Goonies? Okay, I've actually never told anyone this story, but when I was like six, I used to go to this house where like, it was one of those like home daycare places. And there, it, I just remember it being pandemonium. There were just kids crawling around everywhere. And so there was this like baby toddling around and some girls were like, we're helping her walk. And I was like, oh, I can get in on that. And then somebody was like, come watch the Goonies. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing that. And then I apparently dropped the baby. <laughs> Wow. I mean, not, you know, not the the sloth kind of a way. <laughs> I was going to say. A different <laughs> way. Leading with, leading with the bottom? Leading with the bottom. Okay. The way okay. they're supposed to go down. But yeah, The Goonies originally was a movie that I like saw a bit of and felt an overpowering sense of shame whenever it came up oh. for years. And then I watched it like 10 years ago. And it's like charming enough that it overtook my overpowering self-loathing, which is always huge. That's powerful. (laughs) If only for a moment, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what became of that baby? (laughs) (laughs) Or did you leave that out on purpose? I I, I think she's, she recovered from that trauma. I think she's doing okay. I haven't, if anyone knows about the fate of that baby, please (laughs) come up to me after Is that baby here tonight? What if we were doing a Maury style, like, well, guess what? And bring them out. <laughs> she's here and she's pissed. And she's going to feed you hot dogs. Yeah. Yeah, she's forcibly. It's Carly. <laughs> <laughs> and she's fucking furious. By 
Oh my god! This gosh. is how I die. It's okay. <laughs> I don't yours. remember. Dro- I, I'm sure that. I mean, I had like a million cousins. I'm sure that I dropped one of them at some point. I remember <laughs> my dad once being like, "Well, everyone drops their kid a couple times. It's just, <laughs> it's all about angles." And you're like, right. "It's true." Yeah. Like, do you have a mysterious lump on my head? I mean, I don't know. It's that's why we have curly hair. You know, exactly. You don't have to worry about exactly. it. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Caitlin, what's your <laughs> history with the Goonies? Uh, I saw it, I think, once as a kid, once again in college, and not really uh, at all aside from that. It wasn't a movie I grew up with. I was too busy. I was too busy watching Indiana Jones because that was for adults, and I didn't like kid stuff. That's not even true. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was mature content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, it, for some reason, uh, it wasn't one of the VHSs we had growing up, so... Yeah, I don't know. I don't have much of a history with it. But I always... I enjoy the idea of it, I think, more than the actual movie. Because <laughs> there's some fucked up shit in the movie yeah. that we'll talk about. Yes. Um, what's your history with it? I Yeah, I, I hadn't seen it until two days ago. I feel like there was such a wealth of uh, movies about a group of uh, young boys on bikes that would swear at each other. <laughs> Mm. Uh, during this era that like I you just sort of see like you could you could watch it you could watch ET you could watch the Goonies like there's like so many ragtag groups of boys that would each get to say shit one time yeah um so I thought I had maybe seen this movie because I was like oh it's a it's it's boys on bikes the movie mm-hmm. um but I hadn't seen it and um yeah I, I I I'm interested to talk about it there's a lot to love about it and then some stuff that you're like oh no mm-hmm. Um, which is our favorite kind of movie to cover on this show. It's true. Um, I wish I had dropped a baby to this movie. That's a great story. (laughs) It's also like, and then my memory of the movie is like of the smell of that like home daycare place, which like, you know, Mm -hmm. they never smell good. (laughs) That takes a while to get over. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my mom ran a home daycare and our house was stinky. But... (laughs) It is what it is. We're uh, being dropped. As Mama Fratelli says, oh, kids, kids suck. suck. <laughs> <laughs> Mama Fratelli is the most complicated character in the movie. Truly. Um, it's truly... She, I was never not shocked at, like... I, and, I, and I say this as an extreme positive, but how many times in The Goonies the kids flip from being in mortal danger to, like, fucking with each other again yeah. is, like, a space of 0.5 seconds where it's, like, Mama Fratelli is about to cut Corey Feldman's tongue out, and then two seconds later he's, like, makes a pee-pee joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you gotta go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best. The, those boys are on bikes, all right, mentally and physically. <laughs> It's true. Uh, should I do the recap? Let's do the recap. Okay. Um, thank you for that tepid applause. <laughs> Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. 
Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Uh, okay, so we open on a prison break where a guy named Jake Fratelli, played by Robert Davey, is that right? He breaks out of county jail with the help of his mom, played by Ann Ramsey, and his brother Francis, that's Joey Pants, mm. a.k.a. Joe Pantoliano. They speed away, and the cops are chasing them, but they escape. Then we meet a handful of kids who are the Goonies. That's the name of the movie. (laughs) It's Mouth, played by Corey Feldman. He's like the mischievous little stinker. Yeah, he's got the hair. You can tell because of the way his hair is. You're like, oh, this kid's trouble. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Data. That's Kihui Kwan. He's like, and, and, woo, indeed. Data is... The best character, and if you disagree, you have to leave the show. You gotta go. <laughs> I was blown away though at like how Data. If there's ever a character named Data in a media property, that's gonna be the best character because it's also true of Star Trek. Uh huh. Is yes. like Data's the best character on that iteration of Star Trek and in the Goonie. Like you can debate me, but you'll lose. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be wrong. Yeah. Uh, his thing is he's like the gadget kid. He has all these gadgets. Uh, we've got Chunk. Uh, he's played by Jeff Cohen, and his thing is that a lot of fat jokes are made at his expense. We'll talk about it. Um, he, the element of his personality that they introduce that is not deeply offensive is that he's a serial liar, and mm-hmm. I wish they had leaned into that more, yeah. because all of his lies are so funny. Yes. <laughs> the first lie that's referenced is that Janet Jackson peed at his house once. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming up with S tier lies. Like he's really good. Just he's stick to that. That's so enough. creative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got Mikey. That's Sean Astin, and he's like our hero. He's kind of like the straight man. Uh, and then Mikey's older brother is Brand, played by Josh Brolin, and he's tough. Did people Corny whistle? A lot of people are like, <laughs> okay. Someone's were in the back snapping a Thanos claw. <laughs> All right, all right. He does. He works out, and that's his thing. 
he he has uh, workout equipment. What's it called? Exercise equipment? Okay. He's got like a he's got springs. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that would make you strong, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's like resistance, like eighties resistance bands, which were yes springs. Okay. I don't understand it. His mom okay. thinks he ties himself up to work out. Maybe that was his excuse before. Could be. Their their mom, uh, Brandon, Mikey's mom, is barely in the movie, but every time she's on screen, she is just in the trenches. Mm -hmm. She enters in an arm sling, and we don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) She, like, walks in. She's got an arm sling. She's like, well, my house is getting knocked down tomorrow. And then her kids just are like, fuck you. (laughs) They break her shit, and then, yeah. Mm, She's just having a bad day. All she has is that statue penis, and they took that away (laughs) from her as well. Why is that her favorite? (laughs) She's horny, I guess. I don't know. Um, Okay, so the Goonies are best friends, and it's their last weekend together before they all have to move away because where they live, which is the goondocks uh, of Astoria, Oregon, I believe. Mm -hmm. Ever heard of it? (laughs) Uh, It is going to be bought up and turned into a country club. Which you pointed out they already have a country club. Astoria already has a country club, Mm -hmm. uh, which we see in the movie, so we're not sure why (laughs) they need a second one, but that's what's (laughs) happening. And their families don't have enough money to stop this from happening. Mm All the kids congregate at Mikey and Bran's house and they go into the attic because Mikey and Bran's dad have a bunch of like museum stuff (laughs) up there. That they have yet to move off the premises even though their house is being demolished in 10 hours. (laughs) Yes. Um, And they find this map to buried treasure from I think like 1632. Mm -hmm. It is treasure that a pirate named One-Eyed Willie had stolen but then... He got trapped with his treasure, but as legend has it, he dug a bunch of caves and tunnels and made a bunch of booby traps for anyone who went looking for the treasure. Uh, We also learn about this guy named Chester Copperpot, who searched for the treasure a few decades back, but he disappeared and never returned. Mm -hmm. So Mikey is like, hey, if we find this treasure, we can keep the goondocks and we don't have to move. So Mikey, Mouth, Chunk, and Data decide to tie Brand up with his weird resistance band (laughs) and run out of the house with the map and go on this quest for buried treasure. So it's at this point where you're like, oh, it's it's like the fellowship of the map because (laughs) Sean Astin is right there, but he's kind of more of the Frodo character than the... Samwise character. Sean Astin is obsessed with going on a quest. He loves it. <laughs> he really does. He loves it. We, 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 it, it needs to be said that um, Thanos is tied up to a, to a Cindy Lauper B-side. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And so the kids ride on their bikes to this place called Gold Rock Beach where they see three rocks that are also on the map. And they also have this doubloon that's kind of guiding them, and they like match things up. Oh, there's more hot dog is eating, I see. There's Fritos in here. <laughs> there are, I yeah. saw. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like matching things up with a doubloon and the map, and they figure out that they're supposed to walk 100 feet north, which brings them to this restaurant. Meanwhile, Brand has gotten loose and is chasing after them on this little bike with training wheels. Cute. And he encounters this rich bully kid, Troy, 
uh, he's with two girls, Andy, played by Carrie Green, and Steph, and that's Martha Plimpton. I like that Troy, you can tell he's the rich kid because he's like wearing a visor. It doesn't say money on it, but it like basically does. <laughs> 80s like rich guys were just, they were just so like clear cut in the way that they looked. Now we have like little Elon Musk looking villains. Mm. I'm like, I, I missed when it was just a guy with, with bad hair with a visor that said money. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice. Yes. Uh, okay, so the Goonies reached the restaurant where they see a few people go inside. So the kids go in, but, oh no, it turns out that they were the three people from the prison break scene at the beginning of the movie, the Fratellis, who are like, what are you fucking kids doing here? And the Goonies are scared, and they're pretending to order food and to use the bathroom. Then Mikey goes into the basement. This is when he sees a man who is chained up. We will learn that his name is Sloth, played by uh, former NFL player John Mastuzic. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) Are you not a sports crowd? What? (laughs) He won won two... um, What's the game called? (laughs) (laughs) Football. (laughs) It's called... Not it's the Super Bowl. We're like playing into <laughs> stereotypes right now. <laughs> he won two Super Bowls, yeah. <laughs> and then he played sloth. I mean, kind of an I- iconic run he had. Yes, yeah. yes. We'll talk more about this character. Yes, obviously. we'll come back to sloth. Uh, then Brand shows up and helps the kids escape from the restaurant, and then they're trying to figure out what to do. They run into the two girls from earlier, Andy and Steph. The Fratellis leave, so they go back in the restaurant where they find a tunnel in the fireplace. But that's when the Fratellis show back up, so the kids have no choice but to escape into the tunnel. Yes. But Chunk gets separated from them, and the other kids are like, go to the police. And he's like, okay. Chunk is like haunted by this corpse (laughs) for like (laughs) multiple scenes. Yeah. I just love... um, Jeff Cohen, all of his like line reads are so funny, and they it plays just like I don't know. It he reminds me of so many kids I knew who were like, this kid's speaking natural speaking volume is screaming, <laughs> yep. where he like screams all of his lines, and it make like it's even better than if someone was like, hey, Jeff, you don't gotta yell. Like it's it's better <laughs> that he does because kids do that shit all the time where he's just like, hi, <laughs> you're like, oh my god. Um, I love, I love, I love that kind of kid. Those mm-hmm. are, I feel like those are like my closest friends. Because if you're a quiet kid, you need like natural volume screaming kids around. Yes. To vocalize on your behalf. Balance, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Chunk is going to try to find the police, and he escapes. But the Fratellis catch him right away and bring him back to the restaurant and start questioning him. Meanwhile, the other Goonies start making their way through the tunnel. There's a scene with water pipes. That's where you see the other or the already existing country club. Uh, they find a skeleton. They discover that it's Chester Copperpot, the guy who went looking for the treasure like 50 years earlier. Right. And so they're like, haha, bitch. We made <laughs> it further. We're better than we you. We lived. <laughs> Um, they accidentally set off one of uh, One-Eyed Willie's booby traps. Huge boulders are about to fall on them. They manage to escape. Then they think for a minute that they found the treasure, but it turns out it's just like the interior of a wishing well. 
and they find Troy, that rich kid, is like uh, like above ground at the opening of the wishing well. This part is truly wild to me. <laughs> because Andy, at this point, understandably has had it. Mm-hmm. She's trapped in hell <laughs> with <laughs> kids she doesn't know. And she gets the opportunity to... to be you know brought back to the surface, but then sh- little Sean Aston gives such a powerful monologue that she agrees to remain in hell forever. Yes, <laughs> it is so wild. He's That's like, what, he, what you cast him for. He's like, yeah. you gotta stay in hell for me, Sean Aston. This is our hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's our like, hell down right. here. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, so uh, they realize so they realize that they could escape with Troy's help, but that's yeah. Mikey gives this impassioned speech where he's like, "Chester Copperput couldn't even get this far. He's a loser, and we're winners. We're awesome. We should keep going." And then Andy's like, "What if we die?" And Mikey's <laughs> like, "Goonies never say die." And then, and then that she's like, "What is? T-shirt. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know you." <laughs> Is maybe what I would have said <laughs> if I were in that position. Like, <laughs> all right, well, best of luck with whatever the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, do they even do they even ever tell those girls like what they're doing or what they're looking for? Well, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna try to fax and logic my way. The answer is I think no. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is best expressed through Martha Plimpton, who the whole time is like. We, I hate it. I, I hate feel it. Like here. I'm getting babe. I'm babysitting, but I'm not getting paid. Exactly. Yeah. But your options are this: or being sexually harassed in a car. So I guess it's this. Mm-hmm. Guess what the '80s were like. I guess framed that way, I would also agree to stay in hell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, the Fratellis tie up Chunk with Sloth in the same room, and then they go into the tunnel after the Goonies. But Sloth breaks loose from his chains and. Then he and Chunk head into the tunnel as well. The Goonies set off another booby trap. Data falls through the floor into another room. Everyone follows him down there. And then there's a scene where Andy kisses Mikey, thinking he's Brand. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that they have time for this in the middle of being in hell is just like... But don't, like, isn't it so relatable? Like, when you want to have your first kiss with someone you're interested in, you're like, I'm going to call you from several rooms away. I'm going to stand here with my eyes closed. (laughs) And I'm just going to see what happens. And And I'm going to trust that my friend, if the wrong person shows up, my best friend would definitely tell me. He'll definitely tell me. Why would she not tell me? No, my best friend definitely doesn't secretly hate me. (laughs) (laughs) And want me to make out with a (laughs) 12-year-old. It is just a a really bizarre sequence. (laughs) Andy is a really bizarre character. We'll come back to her. Yes. This is also in the middle of them all like taking a piss break. They're like, we got to pee, but also let's kiss in the middle of our (laughs) pee break. Caitlin, you brought up uh, when we were watching this uh, together, <laughs> you were just like getting progressively more and more frustrated because of how wet the kids were getting all the time. <laughs> you were just like, how are they going to keep the map together? <laughs> <laughs> During the wishing well scene, Sean Ashton just stands under a fountain for like five minutes. 
<laughs> and then there's one line where like for, for seemingly no reason Corey Feldman's character is like standing completes his line of dialogue and then just flops down into the water <laughs> apropos of nothing and I just I think that it's just like if you're directing you know like a 511 year olds they're just gonna do that and you're just like well I guess that's the take we have <laughs> He unfortunately flopped down at the end, but he completed the line. <laughs> yeah, they, they were very, there was too much water. Okay, yeah, towel these kids <laughs> off, yeah. That's a problem the state has, generally. We just have too much water around. We just have to work with it. Well, it Is that Oregonian like... representation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it was really cold, too, because we know it's not summer, because they're like, this is a summer restaurant, and it's only open during the summer, uh, but it's not summer right now, so why are people going in there? So it's like fall, maybe winter, and they're still just like, they're so... It's so for the whole movie. And also most deaths from hypothermia happen when it's in the 40s. So <laughs> very stressful. It's, I was stressed. I, I do respect uh, Richard Donner because it's like the only thing that sounds harder than directing a movie that only has 12-year-olds in it is wet 12-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like the hardest task possible. <sighs> Horrible. Okay, so the Fratellis are right behind the Goonies, and the Goonies are like rushing to get away from them. There's this piano-related obstacle. Uh, <laughs> That's the great feminist moment. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wait, women play piano <laughs> badly. <laughs> wow, yeah. But it's allowed. Yeah. <laughs> and then they finally make it into the main cavern and find One-Eyed Willie's pirate ship and all of his treasure. So they start loading their pockets with the treasure, but uh uh-oh, the Fratelli show up. They take the treasure away. They're about to kill the children. But then Chunk and Sloth show up to save the day. The there's you know a, a a battle and the Goonies escape back to the surface. Their parents show up as do the rich people who are trying to displace them for this second country club. Um, <laughs> and Mikey's dad is about to sign over their land, but then it's revealed that they smuggled some jewels, at least one of which is the heart of the ocean from Titanic. Yes. <laughs> and the close-up shot of those jewels are so funny because they're so visibly from like eye party. <laughs> That they're like, we have it, the treasure. And you're like, oh, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's enough money that they don't have to turn over their land. And so they live happily ever after. Chunk is like, Sloth, you can live with me and my family. And everyone has like a nice reunion with their parents. The end. Good recap, Caitlin. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. 
Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Before we um, get started talking about the characters, Sarah, I, I'm I'm curious as as an Oregonian, you you, how how does this fare? You mentioned that there's a lot of <laughs> movies that take place in Astoria specifically. I, there, I'm not aware. There's a lot of movies that like take place and or are filmed there, and so and my favorite is Free Willy because there's like right because there's endless scenes where they're like we're in Portland under a bridge, we're in Astoria, we're in Pioneer Square, we're in Astoria. And it's like, yes, we all want a story to be five minutes away. <laughs> and yet it isn't, and we all have to live with that. Um, and then Kindergarten Cop and Short Circuit are the other, to me, the biggest story in movies. So if you're yeah. like an 80s movie buff, you can, or 80s to early 90s, I guess, you can knock out four biggies there. And, I, and also Green Room, which we were just talking about. Yeah. In our green Room, the opening was filmed there. Wow. Um, and I feel like it's just because like, it's a very... Or a story is a very picturesque city, so I feel like it makes sense as a place that you would film. But I, one of the things I love about this as an Oregon movie is that I do feel like it depicts our weather well, because like a lot of movies that are set in Oregon, either it'll be like totally sunny and bone dry, like Stand by Me, which is great. We are bone dry in the summer. Love that. But then when they're like, it is Oregon and raining, it'll be like a Blade Runner downpour. <laughs> And I love that the Goonies is like, no, everyone's just like moist and you feel like shit. And that's the whole thing. <laughs> Which I guess is why the kids are so unfazed to be constantly introduced into new levels yeah. of moisture. We don't care. Kids just actually, we don't actually um, sexually reproduce here. Babies just like grow on fallen logs like mushrooms. <laughs> and you just harvest. Um, wow <laughs> that's like a whole job industry it's a whole industry you yeah know, that's wild because if you said the job name baby harvester to me <laughs> that's just like not where my mind would have gone but maybe that's a me issue it's all about how you harvest the babies right there is yeah. ethical it's about sustainability <laughs> 
That's so cool. Ugh. This is like, I mean, I, it is always really cool to feel a very specific sense of place with movies like these. There mm. was a big moment for my hometown this year when the Anya Taylor-Joy character in the menu That's right. ended up being from my hometown, and they said it as not a net negative. Right. <laughs> And it was like people were just thrilled to think that someone who who's like as hot as Anya Taylor Joy could come from where we live. <laughs> it was pretty thrilling. Uh, so today is Groundhog Day. Happy Groundhog Day, everybody! Mm-hmm. And Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, is like a 20-minute drive from my hometown. So that's kind of my hometown's claim to fame, movie-wise. That's so bad. But have you ever been to the the unsheath? Of the <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Uh, they don't kill the groundhog, right? <laughs> I'm confusing it with like when, for some reason, the American president like in, like meets the turkey that he'll be eating later <laughs> in the day, and it like for, forgives it. I don't, I don't know what happens. <laughs> Apologizes, forgives. I don't really. It's the turkey pardon. You pardon the turkey. Yeah. And then, you know, you also have the option to like chase the turkey across Paris for twenty years. Oh wow! In a futile quest to like stop law breaking, you can do either one. (laughs) I think that 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 should be something that's introduced for every major holiday. The American (laughs) president should have to do that for Santa Claus. Oh my God! The Easter Bunny pardon. The Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny honestly deserves to die. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think so. I mean, for Easter, you could also bring out Jesus. I guess. I mean, (laughs) he's gonna get it anyways. (laughs) I guess it doesn't matter if the president eats him. Just an idea for holidays. Well, to answer your question, no, they don't kill the groundhog. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good to know. (laughs) They do. They take him out of his tunnel, where I imagine he's down there looking for buried treasure, and they're like, hey, Punxsutawney Phil, do you see your shadow? And he's always like, yes, I do. And so there's always six more weeks of winter. The end. Damn. Boring holiday. They should kill him. (laughs) (laughs) That would really raise the stakes. I think you'd get more people out there. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. The Goonies yeah. in the movie. <laughs> um, well, we, we wanted to start by, by um, talking about the character of Sloth. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, there's, I think, uh, been sort of a wide variety of discussion about the character of Sloth over the years. He's certainly... Um, coded as having a disability and mm-hmm. has been thoroughly like rejected and abused by his own family as a result of being disabled. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that we get any specificity outside of the, like, the joke that Mama Fratelli dropped him at least two times. Right. And then I he rightfully... dropped that baby one time. <laughs> <laughs> and she's fine. <laughs> And then Sloth rightfully tosses Mama Fratellia overboard. Mm-hmm. Um, Throw Mama from the pirate ship. Swish. <laughs> ah, that was a good joke if it was 1988, which it isn't. Right. So, so it, we've talked a lot about, on the show about disabilities being ascribed to villains uh, yes. in media as a way to 
other them and further villainize them. Interestingly, sometimes in the case of like pirate characters where there's kind of like an overlap there. True, true. Um, And this obviously has like horrible ableist implications. Yes. Um, But even though Sloth is associated with the villains because he's a part of the family, he ends up being one of the heroes. He rejects his family for having rejected him like you said they're they're wildly abusive to him Mm -hmm. um and so there's this kind of subversion of that trope it doesn't mean though that the representation is great (laughs) obviously it's so the actor playing sloth is not a disabled actor and they used a lot of like makeup and prosthetics to turn john mastuzic into sloth Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt like there were there were a lot of tropes commonly associated with uh, disabled characters, kind of like all kind of am- amalgamated into this one character where he has mm-hmm. like he's portrayed as like worthy of pity. Um, he's ostracized right. from his uh, community. I do think it's like good that he and Chunk connect as the misfits of their respective groups and then like form a super alliance and right. save the day. Like that is like is the coolest fucking thing in the world. Uh, but the way he's initially presented is like um and also he has like super strength. Um there's just yes. like all of these sort of it feels like random broad stereotypes kind of like thrown into his character. Absolutely. But the character is a hero. Right. So <laughs> And then, well, it also means that, like, the most physically othered character in the movie is the most mistreated. And while there is a historical precedent for people with, like, atypical physical traits or or people with disabilities to be mistreated, it doesn't mean that we need to see that happening all the time, especially in a kid's movie. Because, like, drawing attention to a character's disability in that way is the opposite of normalizing disability right. which is what we're aiming for i would be i mean so. i would be curious to hear um sort of more uh more viewers opinions of that. Specific, specific, spe- oh no <laughs> <laughs> um specifically uh disabled listeners of of mm-hmm. their take because i've seen sort of a wide variety like i've seen a lot of uh, reclaiming arguments sure. for sloth and like he's certainly like a character that we're rooting for the entire time but there's like it's it's like his character so mired in in all of these stereotypes right. at the same time for sure it's like a very 80s dilemma yes yeah it's complicated it is um all right. Oh. Well, <laughs> that's the uh, bummer on that one. It's the bummer portion of the evening. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I, I think I do think that Sloth and Chunk's uh, relationship is really sweet and mm-hmm. beautiful. I mean, I, I, I would say that I don't think that like Sloth's character was written with any intended malice, um, but that in the 80s it was just like not well handled, right. um, and that there wasn't a lot of precedent for handling or even really thinking very much about um, writing disabled characters, which is a net negative. Right. Um, but yeah. Yes. I also wanted to bring up that uh, Mikey has asthma uh, and mm-hmm. uses an an, an inherent. Oh my god, I'm also... <laughs> You're I'll looking for the word finger. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Uh, he uses an inhaler multiple times, um, mm-hmm. and a respiratory disability is often 
ascribe to villains in movies. Think of a Morton Joe in Mad Max Fury Road. You've mm-hmm. got Darth Vader. Bane in Batman. Is that an example? I don't remember oh that gosh, a million, movie very well. Whenever <laughs> anyone says Bane, you can just see a flicker in a bunch of men's eyes of like, I have an impression for that. <laughs> and you're like, I'm sure you do. Um, but I don't need to hear it. <laughs> The year that that movie came out was like on par with the year Borat came out of just like 14-year-old boys are going to have a fucking field day with this and I'm never going to hear the end of it. It's also like anyone can do it. You just do a Sean Connery with too much spit in your mouth. (laughs) And then just pitch it down. Um, Anyways, we were talking about Mikey. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, just to say that, like, it, it's not the case in the Goonies that a character with like a respiratory illness or disability is one of the villains because Mikey right. is the hero. He's the leader. Although at the end, he does. There is like a cast-off line where he throws away his inhaler as if this journey has cured him. <laughs> yes. So it is very thoroughly the '80s in every single way in this movie. Truly. Um, but I, yeah, I noticed that as well. I think the, the last, the last um, element of this movie that's very deeply 80s and still discussed pretty frequently mm-hmm. is um, how Chunk's character is treated, both in his literal nickname and just how the character is you know, repeatedly ridiculed for what he looks like and mm-hmm. for his body type. And uh, that, again, it's like there's obviously a huge precedent for that in society but it's like especially with a movie as successful as the goonies to have a fat actor be repeatedly ridiculed by characters that we like Mm -hmm. um in a movie intended for children that's not going to move the needle in any meaningful way it's going to make it worse right um because every i would say every scene he's in it's either uh his friends fat shaming him and making him do some kind of like body shaming humiliation type of gag like mm-hmm. the the truffle shuffle is uh, an extreme example of this or he's just always characterized as being famished he's always thinking about food he's like putting himself in danger sometimes to be like i'm so hungry i don't even notice the danger around me well i would say that the same thing kind of happens with andy's character where she's so horny for thanos <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do think it's like a similar thing where it's like, oh, our like our leaning uh, female character is so wildly horny that she'll almost die constantly, and our only fat character is like it's it just it feels like a similar kind of move. Yeah, um, is where I mean I like knew what the truffle shuffle was, e- even though I have like avoided uh, not avoided, but I've like managed to not see this movie for three decades, mm-hmm. and I still knew what the truffle shuffle was again, mostly because of like men's t-shirts that I would see. <laughs> On the gym, I was like, why am I looking at this? Who is this child? Yeah. He doesn't seem. Uh, I wanted to share really quickly because uh, down the line, I think this is just a couple of years ago, the director of this movie, Richard Donner, who seems very, very well loved by the entire cast, he's passed away since, mm-hmm. but he and Jeff Cohen, who plays Chunk, later did an interview about this scene because it had become so iconic. Jeff Cohen uh, did not act into adulthood. He's actually now like a really high-powered Hollywood lawyer. Mm. And so sometimes people just, they're like, call Chunk. <laughs> I don't know. like Or maybe Chunk, Chunk will call me. That's yeah. what I want. <laughs> my chunk will call your chunk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Talk to my chunk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's such a fun thing to happen to him every single day. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but I did want to just like draw attention to this interview because it because I do always like that you know when there are scenes and moments and tropes like this when people reflect on it later in a more kind of thoughtful way because yeah. that's really what we are able to ask of them. Richard Donner said of this of that scene. There was no direction. I don't take any credit for that. It was just Jeff. He had to stand on that stump and be ridiculed by his friend so he could come in the house, and he did it as best as that character could do it. Um, so much humor comes from pain, although I'm sure he was too young to be analytical about it, but I'm sure that was part of his instincts. It was a painful scene to film. And then later uh, in the interview, this does not make Richard Donner uh, sound very good. Uh, after the movie had uh, finished wrapping, he said that he then got Jeff Cohen a gym membership and a trainer. Um, quote, he lost lots of weight and built this great physique and became captain of his wrestling team in high school, captain of his football team, and blah, 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 blah. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, Jeff Cohen has uh, spoken to this um, a bit as well and said that, like, you know, it, it was, like, a, an embarrassing and, like, shameful experience mm -hmm. to be asked to do that, also without direction. So it's like you're not even being really, like, protected by your own director. Right. Um, and that, like, he was, like, having, you know, difficulty being teased already and then had to do the scene on top of it. And then the other thing he said that was kind of funny is he was like, I also had chicken pox at the time. Yes, and I read that. And I didn't want the kids to know I had chicken pox. I was like, two questions. <laughs> Are you allowed to go to work with chicken pox? Well, that he, I read that he didn't tell anyone that because he was afraid he would be fired and recast. So he went oh to... Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, that is very uh, upsetting. Mm. Uh, but I just wanted to, uh, I mean, like, I think Jeff Cohen has since, you know, very much moved on and still has, like, very positive associations with the movie. Mm -hmm. But it was just, like, interesting to kind of read those reflections. Also, it's like, if the director's like, yeah, it was a really uncomfortable scene to film, it's like, maybe take a step back and wonder why and then don't film the scene. Like, right. the other thing I wanted to say about Chunk is that he's, He's characterized as being like the biggest scaredy cat uh, mm. of the group in that he's like not as tough or as brave as the other kids. He like gives up his friends immediately when the Fratellis are like, what What are you doing here? He's like, we're looking for buried treasure and all my friends are over there. Well, he uh, has to talk <laughs> like that. <laughs> he has to yell. It's who he well, is. Well, it's not so much the volume is that he didn't even try to lie about it. Um and I feel like this is a common movie trope where, especially in kids' movies, uh, kids' movies, like, making a fat character the kind of, like, scared and quote-unquote wimpy kid. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this, I think, on the Matilda episode, mm -hmm. uh, the way that media kind of feminizes fat men or boys and masculinizes fat women or girls mm -hmm. Not that that is a bad thing at all, but the movie wants you to think that, that like a, right. like a female character or, or a, a femme, a woman would have like masculine traits. The movie, like movies will be like, ooh, gross, um, because movies love binaries. Yes, even when it comes to cave bathrooms. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's gotta be binary as possible. But, but I feel like the movie's like, oh, look at look at this wimpy fat kid who is not as brave or tough as his thin friends. Which is ridiculous, too, because it's like Chunk is consistently 
right in a lot of situations where like he's the one that's like yeah don't go into the murder house and they're like shut up chunk and i was like chunk is right (laughs) he's right he's correct you shouldn't go into the murder house you just shouldn't yeah it i i i think that like there's so much to love about his character and like there's so many elements and so many moments where it's like this kid fucking rules like and it's just kind of like burdened with this other very dated stuff for sure and also i never noticed this before but like he's the only character who's jewish and this is Mm -hmm. referenced many times yes yes Yes. we love it (laughs) i see you shana (laughs) (laughs) and and you're like that's so great that there's a jewish main character and also he's the scaredy cat liar who no one likes (laughs) like that sucks Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and it's, I mean, I didn't even catch that on my first viewing because Chunk is already so thoroughly disrespected that, like, that on top of... Uh, 80s movies just, like, make my head hurt, honestly. It's just, it's it's brutal. It is. Um, let's talk about the best character, Data. Yeah. Data! <laughs> no notes! Oscar Love them! <laughs> Oscar for Data. Yeah. It's so cool that... Data's gonna win an Oscar like next month. He's it's so really gonna cool. win an Oscar. He is. Oh, if he doesn't win an Oscar, we're gonna some heads will roll, and that's not metaphorical. <laughs> we'll all get the data punching vest. <laughs> Slippery shoes, slick shoes. Pictures of peril. Um, His inventions are so cool i really uh, i just think he's like the coolest character ever there are some line reads that are just like the best thing i've ever heard he falls through things multiple times and i think the last time he falls through a surface everyone else takes the stairs down he's like i spent months working on my inventions and my ideas god (laughs) it was just like the greatest line read i'd ever heard it was just like amazing he's the best he's the best and i i did like uh i mean Data, there's like a number of times in the plot where Data's the only non-white goonie. Yes. Um, and he also, I mean, I, I, I felt like, particularly for a movie of the 80s, he's treated very equitably uh, within the group. And there's times because he is like the gadget kid that uh, like he's the only person that can get them out of certain situations. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like multiple plot points that couldn't happen without it's like shoes that come or like whatever those were. <laughs> He's like, no, guys, don't worry. I have cum shoes. And you're like, all right, Data, let's see if this works. And it does. It works. <laughs> the cum it's also, shoe. It's great because he's been getting up in the morning and putting on all that gear like every day for years. Yeah. And waiting like, for it to pay off. Waiting. And he knew the day would come, and this is the day, and we get to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all the same day. He has so many belts. So I was like, how many belts is this kid wearing? He's, all, he's more belt than boy now. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, his character's the greatest. And I feel like at the end of the movie, you get to see, I think, almost every kid's parents and them reunite with their parents. And Data, by far, has, like, the most memorable, sweetest reunion mm-hmm. with his parents where he sees his dad, and his dad's also a gadget guy. Yeah. And then, like, something, his weird invention isn't working, and then the, his dad says to Data, you're the greatest invention of all. And you're like, oh. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes coming is the greatest invention. You know? <laughs> and I was reminded of that in that moment. I just really, 
Yeah, I just think uh, Data's a perfect character, and I love him. He's great, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I He's like the token minority friend uh, in an otherwise like entirely white cast. Yes. This movie has Italians in it. <laughs> it's diverse. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> the diversity of Joey Pan. <laughs> Um, and those characters are treated very respectfully. Uh, the Italians, no notes there. Um. Great representation, singing opera and doing crimes the whole movie. The whole spectrum Every of being so Italian. O- you yeah. take a break from crime to sing a little opera and then you're right back to it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, but yeah, Data rocks is the moral of the story. It's true. Um, should we talk about the gals? Yes, let's do okay. it. Because they're, I mean, I guess that, that like Brand kind of like factors into that. Because Mikey and, and Brand, um, I, I, quick moment for, I really liked their like brother relationship. Mm-hmm. There's like specific scenes in these like Spielbergy boys on bikes movies where I just, it's so fun. Where there's a moment where Thanos puts his arm around Sean Astin and just kind of lovingly drags him <laughs> off of a porch. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like definitely something that kids do, but you never see it like committed to a movie because mm-hmm. you're you're. Why would Thanos do that? Um, but I just loved it. I was like, oh yeah, I would have done that to my brother if he was sad. <laughs> just been like, I love you, and then drag him out of the room. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I appreciated that that brother relationship dynamic. Mm-hmm. So we have the two girls, Andy and Steph. They're not part of the main Goonies group, at least at first. They like show up after the boys have already started the adventure. They're not even fully informed what they're doing in this tunnel, I don't think. Unclear if they know what the Goonies are <laughs> until sure. she, th- she is convinced to not be removed from hell. She's like, N- he's like, no, you're one of us now. <laughs> right. And she's like, okay. <laughs> okay. Andy especially is often having a meltdown in a way that felt very like girls be screaming and scared kind of way. I mean, to be fair, were I in hell, I would be screaming and scared. Mm. Um, However, yeah, the way that like she's there's like that there's like one particular meltdown where. I mean, I guess to contextualize where she's coming from, she like is coming off of a situation where she had been sexually harassed in a car yes. by uh, the guy with the money visor. Yes, yeah. And she says that he like tried to look down her s- shirt, and she like elbowed him in the face. Was that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then she immediately went to hell. Like she's just like having the worst day. That's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it truly. It's is. real what if the movie is colonic canonically canonically is canonically <laughs> everyone has to say something filthy <laughs> accidentally on this tour. But what if it's canonically like all of her vision after she was trying to get out of the car with the money visor guy and mm-hmm. this is all kind of a fantasia <gasps> that she's dreaming for Whoa. all of us. Whoa. It would give her more to do. That's <laughs> but even in her own fantasy, she's still a secondary character. <laughs> she doesn't even Caitlin, get to like... That's how it is for me, you know? <laughs> in my fantasies, I also don't get to kiss my crush. <laughs> I end up with the wrong person. Um, there is, like... I don't know. I think, like, Andy is... She has, like, good moments. I feel like mm-hmm. generally she is, like, sort of passed over and done a disservice. But I do like that, you know, normally when you see cheerleader characters, they're not nice. They're, like, typed as, like, 
quote unquote bitchy mean characters sure andy's a sweetheart i think that she's just um often uh too horny to live like that <laughs> kind of is sort of something that happens to her a lot i, I mean relatable f- for me sure but did andy ever say she was a role model <laughs> no <laughs> but why can't there be horny role models you know mm-hmm. um they are both of the girls are framed as love interests for a number of characters because Brand likes Andy. Mm-hmm. Mikey also seems to have a crush on her and is really excited when he kisses her accidental. Mm-hmm. That scene is so weird. Um, <laughs> and then Steph ends up with Mouth after they've both negged each other relentlessly throughout the entire movie. Yeah. I guess that Martha Plimpton at one point got so annoyed at Corey Feldman, who was famously annoying, that she like pushed him. <laughs> Maybe that's why he fell in the water. He flopped because he was a void. He's ducking a punch. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I um, Steph, I thought, like, I, I, I mean, I'm. I feel like I connected to Steph where it's like she wears glasses and uh, that's the character. (laughs) But I guess I was sort of like of two minds about her where she is like very much the voice of reason friend, but she has Mm -hmm. like elements of like, I think it's kind of fun that she's diabolical enough to not tell her friend when she kisses (laughs) the wrong person. Like there are a few elements where you're like, well, this is pretty specific to who this person is. Mm -hmm. Um, You pointed out that like, uh, mouth only becomes interested in her after her glasses break <laughs> and you're just like well great um, <laughs> well because you were like yeah you're like oh it's it's nice that like the best friend character who wears glasses gets a love interest because that normally doesn't happen and then i was like but sh- she only becomes a love interest after she loses her glasses yeah so glasses people don't deserve love according to movies <laughs> said caitlin durante confidently <laughs> making eye contact with someone wearing glasses <laughs> You it's all also like, it. isn't her love interest like 12? It's yeah. Like, it's like you can find love after you can't see, and then it's a good thing that you can't see because you're going to get hooked up with a seventh grader. <laughs> Pretty okay. cool. Also, at the end, when Andy goes to Mikey and she's Andy's like... Andy's a weirdo. She's like, <laughs> she's like, you keep kissing girls the way you do you won't have any problems and the parts of you that don't work will catch up with the ones that do. I'm like, what does she mean? (laughs) Write it in your journal. There's like, I mean, there's, (laughs) (laughs) we have like, I feel like it's in the past five years that we've stopped making movies for kids where like a 12 year old boy gets to make out with a female character who's like clearly way too old for him. Yeah. Like, do you remember Blank Check? That's a whole other conversation. That was brutal. (laughs) That's like... Sandlot. Oh, right. Sandlot. Absolutely. Uh, It is is just an absolutely uh, weird line. And then everyone's... Their parents are watching when she says that? And they're like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that means, probably normal. That was really nice of you to say that to that boy. That'll mean something to him. He'll think of it every night. <laughs> and then she just turns around and starts making out with Brand again. And Brand is also like, does he know that happened? Like, it's so. Andy is ultimately, I just think, kind of a weird character. The last thing I want to say about her, and then we have, uh, we, we, we got to. Um, 
do our fun activity. We have an activity, um, yeah. Is her, her first kind of like meltdown, which again, I understand why she's kind of like, you know, like panicked when she's brought to hell. But her reaction is like, she's like, I wouldn't be here if I had like just let Troy look at my body. I'm going to die here. And d- is my body beautiful? And I was like, again, a journal, more of a journal <laughs> thing. <laughs> Save it for your one-woman show right. at the Astoria Playhouse, <laughs> where Clark Gable got his start. Oh, it's wow. true. Really? Yeah. Wild. Oregonian. Real, real shitty guy. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also like I think that the the most important thing was scenes like that where you're like, oh, I don't know how to what to make of that. You just have to picture Chris Columbus at his house writing it down, and you're like, no, that's a weird line of dialogue. <laughs> Chris Columbus on a fucking like old word processor that's like the size of a building being like my body is not beautiful enough. <laughs> he's like this is how girls think right bah, bah, i don't bah, know bah, bah, i've never bah, bah, talked bah. to one he's like and print we got another classic <laughs> and, then and he, he opens, was right <laughs> and then he opens up another file and he's like how do i solve this babysitting movie they're forced to sing the blues perfect <laughs> Like, it's just, uh, Chris Columbus is an interesting character. Um, uh, the last thing I want to say about Andy is um, I, w- I was surprised that she was able to, like, have that moment where she contributed a skill and, yes. like, got them out of peril. I was not expecting that at all. I will say, though, that the things that the boys are doing to overcome the obstacles are more, like, physical things, and hers mm-hmm. is more artistic, which feels a little tropey of, like, boys are tough and they do sporty they get to swashbuckle Mm -hmm. and girls are fragile so they play piano yeah (laughs) but i mean she doesn't do it well i don't know that 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 makes it better or worse and then brand is like why couldn't i have a little sister i would never be in this mess if i had a sister as if sisters don't like to go on adventures as if sister as if a sister couldn't lead you directly to hell She knows the way. <laughs> she uh, can feel it in her bones. <laughs> I led my siblings straight to hell all the time. Yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so this is when we, in the live show, when we went into that special segment where we did the trivia game with Sarah Marshall. Again, you can see that segment if you, you know, buy access to the on-demand version of our sh- of the show on the link tree is where you can find the like tickets to access that but we wanted to also take this opportunity to add in a chunk haha get it chunk of discussion that we didn't have time to get to during the live show so we are doing it now yes and uh, you may recall if you attended our seattle show that we did talk to about it at our seattle show but it just makes more sense to do it in this way we wanted to talk about the character of rosalina played mm-hmm. by iconic character actor lupe antiveros yes so she is hired by mikey and brand's mom to like help them move Mm -hmm. and basically what's happening with this character is that a number of stereotypes about people from latin america are employed with this character yes she cannot speak english she is present in the story to service the white characters she's in a role where she's like the hired help 
and a ton of jokes are made at her expense because she doesn't know English. And so what happens is Mouth is asked to translate Mikey's mom's instructions to Rosalita. And then he mistranslates it. And it's like all of the jokes are probably, I mean, I would be interested in how this was handled internationally, but all for English speaking audiences, all of the jokes are in the, uh, the lower thirds are in, in the subtitles about how he is misleading her. And it's like the joke is at, is both at Rosalita's, expense and also just done to like elevate mouth's character as like a little stinker like it is Mm -hmm. just it's reductive in every way that you could imagine not to like and 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 it isn't like the same amount of like punitive shame is not applied to mikey and brand's mom for not being able to communicate with rosalita right like they are having the same communication barrier but it is in a very racist way like leveraged at Rosal like she's the one who who suffers for it and is mocked for right. it yeah yeah and it's mouth being cruel because it's him like deliberately mistranslating what Mikey's mom is saying in order to like freak Rosalita out because he's saying things like oh this is where they keep the like cocaine stash and this is where the yeah. sex torture chamber is and stuff like that so it's just him being cruel to a character and just like again the joke is at the expense of someone not knowing english right and and then rosalita does come back at the end of the movie with those really fake looking jewels that they find um yeah and but again it's it's even though that um she's not mocked in that moment she's very much like a tool for the scene versus being treated as a character because you would think right you know if i'm rosalita and i've only been treated like shit this entire time i'm pocketing these jewels and getting the fuck out of there right maybe if i'm feeling nice i'll slip them one yeah but like that's not on the mind of this movie because this movie is not considering her in any way like Mm -mm. you would think she would get at least something but it's like this that's just not the um consideration that this movie is giving anyone who is not the main cast. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's so, I, I don't know, it's, it's very 80s. I, I wanted to, um, we talked about this at the Seattle show. Um, Lupe Antiveros, like she, I think most famously, at least to me, played Yolanda in the Selena movie with Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, her career in Hollywood has consisted of roles like these to the point where she made a documentary about it mm-hmm. called Made in America because she had played a maid at least 150 times on stage and screen mm-hmm. and is a huge advocate for wanting to see more and better roles available. Not that a maid is a bad role, but like a more diverse amount of uh, roles available right. to Latin actors. Um, she said, quote, I'm proud to represent those hands that labor in this country. I've given every maid I've ever portrayed soul and heart, which is absolutely true and mm-hmm. comes through even when the writing is not giving her what she deserves. For sure. But I just wanted to, she's she's a legend and it is frustrating to see her have to receive these underthought, underwritten um, very stereotypical and racist roles. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Rosalita. Yeah. I love you. And then the other thing that we didn't get to talk about uh, during the live show that we wanted to touch on really quick mm-hmm. was 
class. Yeah. Um, because the whole story unfolds because these kids who are from working class families are being forcibly removed from their homes in favor of a country club being built, which um, is a very <laughs> 80s premise where it's like, there's a country club, there's a shopping mall, something like that. It's all, yeah, very, very 80s threats. They feel quaint now, <laughs> but still bad. Right. The world is on fire. Um, no, but this is like a legitimate issue. Um, although I will say that you know, people being displaced from their homes and forced to relocate uh, disproportionately affects um, people of color and indigenous people. Absolutely. Um, and as we discussed, these kids are mostly white mm -hmm. with the exception of data. Yeah. But it's still, I think, worth mentioning that class plays a, a big part in this movie. It's a, it's a yeah. major theme that, again, these working class kids... They have to go on this journey just so they don't uh, have to leave their homes and have their lives be uprooted. And we see them talking at the beginning, like they're lamenting that like this is the last time they're ever going to see each other and they're going to have to go to different schools and be kind of torn apart. Yeah. And I, I think that that is one of the things that I know this isn't the Spielberg movie technically, but it's very Spielberg coded. His fingerprints are very he much on wrote it. it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that that is something that is pretty consistent throughout this like era of Spielberg is that like it does generally, it, the, the unfortunate part is it always focuses on white boys, mm -hmm. but in terms of class representation, I feel like you do see a lot of working class or lower middle class like families just getting by mm -hmm. which is something that i don't think you see in big hollywood movies as much these days mm -hmm. um and so I, it's always kind of nice to to see it definitely and back to the show folks yeah all right well uh, <laughs> give it for sarah marshall one more time really really well done no. We just have two questions we answer at the end of every Bechdel cast. I feel like I'm going to choke. Okay, do you want me um, to talk? Does the movie pass the Bechdel test? Uh, I don't think it does, right? I don't think it There's like arguably a very, very small exchange between um, Steph and Andy that may, but I think spiritually it really just doesn't. <laughs> But most importantly, there's one um, unquestionable metric that's never been wrong before. And that's uh, the Bechtel cast nipple scale. That's true. So, yeah, so give it up. For <laughs> Caitlin, it seems like you were going to like throw something at that. You better clap for the nipple scale. Uh, it is a scale of zero to five nipples yeah. uh, on which we rate the movie looking at it through an intersectional feminist lens. Um, I think that despite some kind of like reclaimable things from the movie regarding certain characters, overall, it doesn't do very well. It has 80s movie written all over it. And I think I would only give it like a half nipple. And I'm going to give it to Kiwi Kwan. Yeah. Because he's the best. Yeah, I'm gonna go one nipple uh, because I'm feeling I'm feeling so I, I ate a hot dog. I'm in a good mood. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go one. I mean, yeah, I think that there, yeah, like you're saying, there there are reclaimable elements. We didn't get uh, to talk about the um, racism uh, applied 
towards the only Latin character in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about that off mic later or on mic at a different state, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that there is like some um, diversity in this movie, but it's like barely any and not you like more often than not not handled particularly well mm -hmm. and uh the, the women are so, so horny <laughs> which is a relatable thing but like we talked about it you understand <laughs> what i'm saying i do feel like i'm getting like the meat sweats a little bit right now <laughs> and so it's kind of like freaking me out okay so uh i would i would give this movie one nipple and uh, i'm gonna give it to carly who brought me a hot dog Yay! Yay! give it up for carly Feminist icon, Carly. Uh, Sarah. Hmm. Um, one nipple, way, way up. <laughs> I pride. One perky nip. One perky nip. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's like, it's so riddled with the problems of its era, but also I watched 16 Candles yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so, like, within the 80s, it feels, I don't know, it's like, the, there's like a whole other this length long conversation to be had about like 80s meanness and what do we do with it but like mm -hmm. you know the um the sort of like generalized like maliciousness culturally of the decade is so there but like malice by characters doesn't feel so pronounced in the way that it does elsewhere which is like a terrible scale to judge on but yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thrilling. who would you like to give your nipple to Oh, um, I want to give my nipple to Alfred Molina. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> he deserves it. He does. Ooh, he would have been. He could have been. He could have been any part Every in this movie. Every part. Yeah. 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 He could have been Mikey. Aww. He could have been Andy, you know, just like corny in a tunnel, just He's making a it work. Yeah. I think it would have been really fun if this movie was about four twelve-year-olds and Alfred Molina playing a twelve-year-old. <laughs> I think it would have been really special. It's Pen15 with Alfred Molina. Exactly. He could do it. He has the ring. We deserve it. Or maybe we're not worthy of it. You it's deserve hard to it. say. None of the rest of us do. <laughs> thank you. Oh, my gosh. I Thank you so much for being here, Sarah Marshall. Give it oh up for Sarah. Back down past. The greatest person ever. Give it up for yourselves for coming out. Give it up for Curious Comedy and yes. all our wonderful staff here. Uh, so there you have it. That was the live show that we recorded in February in Portland. Portland at the Hope. beautiful Curious Comedy Theater. We had the best time. Mm -hmm. Thank you again to Sarah Marshall. Um, if you don't know who Sarah Marshall is, take your head out of the sand, you rube. <laughs> um, yeah. You can listen to her podcasts, You're Wrong About and You Are Good. She's on the road a lot. She's an amazing writer. You, you just And she's wisely not on social media, so you can't even bother her. You can just engage with her amazing um, media as you see fit. She's the best. Mm -hmm. And here's where you can find us. Yeah, at Bechtelcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Patreon at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast, where you can get all of our Matreon episodes, two per month for $5, plus access to the whole back catalog mm. and merch at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast, where you can get all the wonderful merch designed by our very own Jamie Loftus. Ever heard of her? It's-a me. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and uh, yeah, Pretty just thanks again to Sarah, to everyone who came out to the shows. Thanks to Curious Comedy Theater for having us and all the wonderful staff there. And thanks to you for listening right here and right now. And with that, we love you so much. Make good choices and have a good day. Wow. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm sorry. I'm, I have a fever. <laughs> this is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.